everyone, and welcome back to our series called Suit Up, where we're taking a look at the armor of God. I hope you could have a laugh at that video. Um, it was just to show that's, that is not what we mean, okay? Um, Paul gives us imagery of the armor, but we actually don't want to focus on the armor. We want to focus on the tools that God has given us. Okay, God's given us uh, truth, righteousness, salvation, faith, the word of God, prayer, um, and these are all tools that we can use in our everyday life to be victorious over our enemy. So what does it look like then to suit up? Because when I was younger, um, I, I always thought that this was some super spiritual practice that really spiritual people did. And so at some point, I remember I used to put on the armor of God every day and I would put on my, my helmet of salvation, put on the breastplate, um, thinking that 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 act of doing that would keep me safe. But that's superstition. That's not what he's talking about here. He's saying there's real tools. There are things like faith, righteousness, that we can use in our everyday life. And so we put on the armor of God by spending time with Jesus, getting to know him who is the truth. We choose to believe God's truth and not the lies of the enemy. We stand firm in our faith by understanding, by understanding the gospel and sharing it with others. We receive God's free gift of salvation and we place our identity in our new, our new identity as sons and daughters of the king. We take on his righteousness and then we walk in it. We walk by faith and not by sight. We choose to believe God's promises and we pick up the sword of the Spirit, and we choose to live according to it every day. That's how we suit up. So today we are talking about the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians 6.17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the Bible says we must take the Word of God, which is the sword of Oh, sorry, we must take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we need to pick up God's Word and we need to use it. And then it says it's the of the Spirit, okay, the sword of the Spirit refers to where it comes from, its origin. The Spirit, the sword of the Spirit comes from the Spirit, okay? So the Word, God's Word comes from the Holy Spirit. It was given to man to, to write down through the, the Holy Spirit, uh, 2 Timothy tells us that all scripture is God-breathed. It's God's word given to us by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the sword is a weapon of war. An actual sword is something you fight with. It's something made to kill. So why, why does Paul use this imagery of war in explaining to us these tools that God's given us? Um, why, like who are we actually fighting? And how do we recognize his tactics? How do we use this weapon? Or how do we fight? And why should we fight? And these are the questions that I want to answer today as we tackle the sword of the Spirit. So firstly, who are we fighting? We need to know that we are in a battle. Um, Again, Ephesians 6 from verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in, in the strength of his might. We cannot do it in our own strength. We do it in his. 
says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the devil is real. He has power. He rules and has authority over this world. And he wants to destroy us. He wants to hurt us so that he can hurt, or he wants to hurt God by hurting us. Charles Spurgeon says, to be a Christian is to be a warrior. Okay, we are at war and we are fighting a spiritual enemy. But I just want to pause here just to mention that when we belong to Christ, when we are in Christ Jesus, we belong to him. And so the enemy has no um, authority in our lives. Okay? The only time he can have a hold on us is if we give him authority. And the key is that we grant authority to whoever we trust. So he cannot have a hold on us unless we choose to believe his lies, unless we give in to his temptations. Then he can have control over us. And this isn't a super spiritual thing. This happens in all relationships. Okay? The way influence or control works in every relationship is when you give control over they will have, when you trust them, when you believe what they're saying, they can have control in your lives. And so as a Christian, the enemy has no authority in our lives. And God has given us a weapon to fight against his schemes. So with God's strength and with the sword of the Spirit, we can fight and we don't have to give in to temptation. In Corinthians, it actually tells us, or God says that he will always give us a way out that we, um, we will never be tempted past what we can handle. And that way out that he's talking about is the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. But we choose whether we're going to use it or not, whether we're going to give in to temptation or fight back. And the sword is our only offensive weapon. So the armor of God provides defense against the enemy's attacks, but the sword of the Spirit helps us fight back. But now I just want to make sure that we all know that we don't have to go into the enemy's territory to, to fight or to take ground because Jesus already did that. He did that on the cross. He won the victory. All that Ephesians is telling us is that we need to stand firm. We need to persevere. We need to um, t put on the armor. We need to take up our sword and we need to fight off the attacks of the enemy. We need to stand. So how do we recognize his attacks. We know that we have an enemy, but how do we recognize his attacks? Firstly, he always tries to discredit God. He puts doubts in our mind. Okay, he tries to make the word of God the enemy. And I see that so often where people are, oh, but God's, but God's word is negative, or God's word doesn't believe this for all people. God's word doesn't accept all people. He's trying to discredit God's word. He's making God's word out to be the enemy when actually he is the enemy. God's word is for us. It's not against us. The enemy is against us. The Bible is not a set of rules and regulations. Okay, the Bible is not the enemy of our fun or our enjoyment. It's the answer to a life of peace and joy. The Bible isn't ruining our fun. It's a powerful weapon to fight the one who wants to ruin a lot more than our fun. He wants to ruin our lives. 
He wants to distract us from the things that bring genuine happiness. He wants to use things like pornography and doubt and insecurity to steal away, to steal you away from life-giving relationships. He doesn't want us to have a life-giving marriage. He doesn't want us to live a life of fulfillment. He doesn't want us to have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. He wants us to be alone, and he wants us to be miserable. And so he discredits God's word. He also tempts us in different ways. And if we look at 1 John 2, verse 15, it says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. And it goes on to say these things will fall away, and only um, anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And so Satan tempts us with things that look good, with success and power, and with a promise of fulfillment and pleasure. But he is the father of all lies. He offers these things, he promises these things, but it never, it never satisfies, it never lasts. So if we look at the, the story of Eve, we see how Satan tempts her. And he says, did God really say? So at first, he brings doubts and he discredits God's word. And he even um, discredits God, God's, God's mo uh, motives towards her. Saying, does, almost like he's saying, does God really love you? Or is he holding back from you? And then he tells her, you won't die. You will be like God. And so he tempts her with an achievement. You can be something. You can have power. And so she looks at the fruit and she sees that it's beautiful. And she sees that it looks delicious. Physical pleasure and everything that she sees. Cravings for what she sees. And so she wants to fulfill that. And she takes the fruit and she eats it. And in doing that, sin enters the world. And we are still paying the consequence for that sin. Because sin always has a consequence. Somebody will always pay the price for sin. And so Adam and Eve give in to the devil's temptation, and they bring sin into this world. And in doing that, they hand control over to the enemy. And not just for their own lives, for our lives as well, for everyone that comes after them, because they are representatives of mankind. But we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So any of us in that position would have eventually given in to temptation. Because personally, I believe that God knew that all along. From before he created the world, I believe he knew that we could never do it in our own efforts, in our own righteous efforts. And so he made a way for us to take on his righteousness and to walk in that through Jesus. And Jesus is referred to as the second Adam. Yeah? So Jesus, Jesus um, did what Adam and Eve could never do. He overcame Satan's temptations. And if we look at, at the testing of Jesus, because he went through that same testing, Satan tempted him in the same ways that he tempted Eve. In Matthew 4, it says in um, verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So it was on purpose. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. It was purposeful. He needed to face, um, he needed to face Satan. He needed to be tempted so that he could prove his righteousness, so that he would be worthy to be a sacrifice for us. It was on purpose. 
And the first Adam failed, but Jesus overcame. And how did he overcome? With the sword of the Spirit. He fought Satan with the word of God. And so when Satan came and he said, um, you know, Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, and so physically he was weak, but spiritually he was strong. He was connected to the Father. Um, and he tempted him, and he said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So he tempted him with a physical pleasure. But Jesus knew that nothing could fulfill him the way that God fulfills him. And so he replied, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. No, nothing in your life will fulfill you. Okay? No amount of drugs or sex or fun or accomplishment or um, money, none of that will ever satisfy it's only God who can satisfy us. And so Jesus knew that, and he, he chose to rather fill himself with God than what his physical craving at that time was. So then the devil takes him again to the city, and he makes him stand at the top part of the temple, and he says to him, if you're the son of God, you can throw yourself down here. And then he quotes scripture at Jesus. He says, the word says that he'll lift you up. The angels will carry you so you won't hurt yourself. But Jesus answers him and says, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to, test, to the test. You see, he tempts him with pride and achievements. Like, you can show everyone who you are if you just, if you did this, and everyone would see that you're powerful. But Jesus knew God's heart, okay? And Satan is quoting real scripture here, but he's misquoting it. And so just as a side note, that's why it's so important to read scripture in, in context, Okay, we could make any scripture fit into our lives and say what, you know, prove what we're wanting to prove or say what we're wanting to say. But even Satan did that. But we have to read the word in context and as a, as a whole story. Like Jesus knew the heart of God. And so he knew that, 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 Jesus, that God doesn't want to be tested, that that's not what we should do. And then again, Satan takes Jesus to a high mountain and he points out the whole world in its, all its splendor. And he says, here, I'll give you this. And he offers Jesus a way out. He offers him a quick fix. This is why, because he knew that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save the world, to save us. That was what he desired. And he knew that. And so he said, okay, you want the world? I'll give you the world. And this shows us that that Satan had authority, that he has authority to give, if he could give that to Jesus, that means that he has authority in this world, okay? And he was saying, I'll give it to you. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to die. Here's an easy way. I'll just give you all these people. I'll give you the world. All you have to do is bow to me. But God knew that Satan is a liar, that his promises are empty, that even though he could give him the world, it would, that we would never be free. We would never actually be part of God's kingdom. And so he says to him, um, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And so the devil flees and the angels come and attend to him. So Jesus knew that he had to die in order to make things right, in order to pay the price for our sins. He also knew that there's never a quick fix there's never a way out that doesn't cost you, a quick way out that doesn't cost you something. And he knew that he would accomplish what he set out to do. And so in that moment, Jesus chose the cross. 
He knew what was in front of him and he chose it. So how do we fight? Okay, so we've seen how Jesus fought with the word of God. What does that look like in our lives? How do we fight the temptation with the word of God? So the Bible doesn't give us much information about demons. It doesn't go into detail. And I think that's because God doesn't want us to focus on that. Okay, we had to, everything that I've set up to now, we had to know in order to take up the sword. We have to know that we're in a battle. We have to know that there's an enemy so that we will lift our weapon. But that's not how we fight, focusing on the schemes of the enemy. We, fo we fight focusing on the truth. Every aspect of the armor of God has to do with being wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Even the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is what God didn't want Eve and Adam to, to eat from. He didn't want them to know evil. He didn't want them to experience evil. We fight evil with good. And so we need to be aware so that we can pick it up, but then we need to drench ourselves in God's word. We need to be so full of the truth that the lies stand out like a sore thumb. And we need to be so full of the truth that the lies stick out like a sore thumb. We don't focus on the lies, we focus on the truth. And when we're filling our lives with the truth, when we know God's truth, we will be able to identify the lies and be like, whoa, that doesn't sound right. No, 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 I don't believe that. And we can fight it back. So some quick points under how do we fight? We need to consume it, we need to believe it, we need to carry it with us, and then we need to allow it to change us. So we need to consume it. I just wanna say that on that, I really, I really wanna encourage you if you've been a Christian for a long time, to read the full word of God. Read it from beginning to end. I've read the Bible um, all the way through a few times and I promise you it makes a massive difference when you can understand the whole story of the Bible. It's, it's a love story. It's an action story and it's a true story. The Bible is not boring. There's a lot of excitement in here. And the more you read, the more you want to read. So we need to create or generate an appetite for God's word. We need to consume it and not snack on it. And so even if that, if that sounds hectic to read from beginning to end, then choose one book of the Bible and read that whole book. Um, you know, you can read it over a long time, but just read the whole book finished. There's also some great study Bibles, um, like the NLT study Bible, the ESV study Bible. Um, they give you commentaries, explanations. There's also great resources online for free, uh, Bible Hub, Bible Gateway. You can just Google it. Um, if you Google any scripture, some of those will come up and it gives you commentaries and just ways to dig into the word more. Also in the study Bibles at the beginning of each chapter, it gives you an um, explanation of, of what period that was in what the setting for this book was. It just unpacks it a bit more so that you can understand it. So I really want to encourage you to dig in deep and consume the word of God. Okay, then you need to believe it. You need to know that it is the truth, but you don't have to believe it in order to read it. So if you're um, watching today and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I believe that it's true, just start reading. Okay, I dare you to start reading and let's see what God does because his word will come alive in your life. Okay, then we need to carry it with us. We carry it in our hearts. 
Jesus didn't stop Satan halfway through temptation and say, sorry, so just, just hold that thought. I'm sure there is a verse somewhere in here that will help me. No, he, he lived it, he was, and he, he walked in it. He knew the word of God. And so he could respond. And that doesn't mean that we have to memorize every single scripture in the Bible. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance. If we can just put it in, so you can only get out what you put in. If we're putting in scripture and we're putting in scripture, and maybe there's some that we're memorizing, when we need that word, the Holy Spirit will bring it to our remembrance if we put it into our lives. So we need to carry it with us. Just after he talks about that in John 17, he says, I have given, I've given them your word. So he's talking to the disciples and, he's, and now he's actually praying. And he, says, he even says, I'm not just praying for you, I'm praying for all people that are going to believe. So he's praying, Jesus is praying for me and you. And he says, I've given them your word. So Jesus came, every word that he spoke on earth was recorded. And that's part of, that is the New Testament that we believe. It's his word. And he says, I've given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. And I just wanted to point out that the word is offensive to the world. It's not politically correct. It is not all-inclusive. It cannot be watered down, and the world hates it. The word is offensive because it's not of the world. And so when, when we are in Christ Jesus, the word comes alive but it is offensive to the world. He then goes on to, um, to say, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They don't belong to this world any more than I do. So make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And so this brings us to our last point, allow it to change us, okay? Jesus was praying that the word, that God would make us holy, through his word, okay, by his word. And this refers to sanctification. And Moffat and, and Sue have um, kind of spoken about this a bit. It means to make holy or to set apart, to consecrate, to purify or free from sin. And this is not talking about earning our salvation. We've already pointed out that we could never do that. This is what Jason was talking about when he's saying we need to walk in that righteousness which we've already received from Christ. We need to become more like Jesus. Okay, Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting through soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Our souls are who we are in the natural, but our spirit is, is how we connect with God. And it's, it's so hard for us to know the difference between what is the flesh and what is the spirit because it's so closely interwoven, as close as, as, as um, it says, as close as what? Marrow and joint, okay? And I've, I've often asked myself these questions like, is this God speaking to me or is this just my own desire? Am I hearing this because this is just what I want or is this really what God is saying to me? Are my motives pure? But the, and the, the word can cut through and give us discernment when we need it. Okay, one commentary puts it like this. It says, the inner life of a Christian 
is often a strange mixture of motivations, both genuinely spiritual and completely human. It takes a supernaturally discerning agent, such as the Word of God, to sort these out and to expose what is of the flesh. So sometimes when we don't know if this is just us or if it's God speaking to us, then we need to go to the Word because the Word cuts through bone marrow. It exposes our true motives, our innermost thoughts and desires. We need to allow the Word to change us. We need to allow it to penetrate. It says it's, it cuts with a sharp two-edged sword right into our true motives. We need to allow the word to expose what our true motives are so that we can renew our mind and become more like Jesus. And um, just an example from my life, like I, I struggle with anger, which I know you could never believe because I am just so sweet, but I do, I struggle with anger. And sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't, but I do try to use the Word of God as my weapon. When I was a kid, um, I was always, I used to deliver newspapers, and so I was always scared of the dogs that would come, because especially those little ones, they would like yap at you and like bite your ankles. And so something that always came to mind was like, I have not, I'm not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. And so I used to sing that every time I walked and delivered papers, I would sing that over and over again, and it would just build confidence in me. And that's the scripture I still use today when I'm struggling now in a, in a different way, because when I'm struggling with self-control and I'm, I'm losing it at home or with a friend, I, I say that, that verse again, like, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind, of self-control. I have the spirit of self-control. I have the mind of Christ. I can make a good decision in this moment. And so I use the weapon. I use the Word of God. And I don't always get this right, but I want to keep doing it. I want to keep um, trying, because I really believe that every time we make a good choice, every time we change what we were going to do, we don't give in to that temptation, it's like planting a life-giving seed. And the more life-giving seeds we plant, every time, every good choice we make, we're planting new seeds. And the Word says, if we don't give up, we will reap a harvest. So we will reap a life-giving harvest if we just keep making one good decision here, one good decision there. Um, I actually read this thing that, uh, recently that said, the opposite of perseverance is disobedience. And so we cannot give up. We need to keep persevering. We need to keep choosing to, to take up our sword and to fight that temptation, to fight those um, sinful ways that are wanting to come through with the word of God. And then lastly, just in closing, I want to say why. Why should we fight? Okay, and that's, I've just got three quick little things that actually wrap up everything that I've been saying. So if you don't take anything from the race, just take, take this home with you, okay? Why, do, why should we fight? We fight for freedom, we fight for fruit, and we fight for fame. Okay, we fight for freedom because Jesus purchased our freedom. We received that, that freedom, but Satan wants to steal that freedom. And when, when we give in to sin or temptation, Satan gets a hook in our lives. And we end up, we could end up in bondage, okay? But when we consume the word of God, we can walk in our freedom. 
and also the Freedom Course. If you haven't done the Freedom Course, sign up today, okay? It is an amazing tool to help you walk in freedom. So we, we have to fight for our freedom. That's why we need to take this up. Okay, then we fight for fruit. We don't just want to survive in this life. We want to thrive. We want to live lives that are full of love, full of joy, full of patience, full of kindness, full of goodness, um, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, how much better would your relationships be if you just had a bit of that fruit in your life? In Psalms 1 verse 1, it's my favorite verse. He talks about how um, we mustn't be like the, the wicked, but, but those that are... Um, blah, blah, blah. But they, it says the, the righteous, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So they delight in God's word. They meditate on it day and night. And they will be like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. So we can bear good fruit in our lives if we meditate on God's word, if we delight in his word, if we consume his word. And then lastly, we fight for fame. Not our fame, but for God's fame. Okay, the word says that if we, if we love God, we will obey him. It's a response to loving God. Obedience is a response to loving God. And when we, when we love God, we want to please him. We want to bring him glory. We want to bring him honor. And when we choose to live according to God's word, it does bring him honor. When other people see our good works, when they see how, the good choices we're making, when they see that we've got, got freedom from this, when our kids see that we're overcoming things in our lives, it speaks of God's goodness, of his fame. We don't do it to boast in ourselves, we do it so that we can bring honor and glory to God. So we need to fight because we need to fight for our freedom. We need to take up our sword because we need to fight for fruit in our lives and we need to fight for God's fame, for God's glory. And so today, you might be watching this and thinking, but I've already given in to that temptation. I'm, I'm on the other side. That's okay. You can pick up your sword at any time. Or maybe you're thinking like, I, don't, I haven't consumed the word. I don't have the scriptures to fight. And I'm in a place where I feel like I am being tempted or I've already given into temptation. Then I want to encourage you that repentance severs that tie that Satan has. Okay, he cannot have a hold on you when you repent. It loosens his control and it, held, it, it brings you back to your place. It brings you your freedom. And repentance just means turning away from from that, that sin and turning towards God, walking towards God. Or maybe you're here today and you've never actually given your life to Jesus. Then I wanna encourage you, start this journey today. Take the Word of God, start consuming it. There are people that'll pray with you today. Just click on the link in the chat window and somebody will pray with you, walk you through the steps um, and help you to start this journey with Jesus. But as I close and pray today, I just want to pray, for, pray that God would generate in us a desire for His Word. So you can close your eyes wherever you are. God, we just thank You for Your Word, which is the truth. God, I thank You that You have given us everything that we need to live a life that pleases You, to live a victorious life. You've given us what we need to live a life that is full of the fruit of the Spirit, 
that is full, that is life-giving. So I ask God that for everyone that is watching this or listening to this today, that you would generate in them a hunger for your word. Help us to consume your word, God. And as we're putting in your word, as we're, we're filling our lives with your word, I ask that you would help us to make good choices, that you would um, help us to you know, reveal to us the things that we don't see through your word. Maybe there's um, habits that, we've, that we don't even realize because they're so connected already to who we are. Father, your word is like a sword that can come and penetrate past any wall that we've built up, past every stronghold that's in our lives, and you can show us the way out. And so God, I ask that your word would come alive in our lives, that we would build our lives on your word so that we can live in victory. We love you, God, in Jesus' name.